Welcome to Firefly Chat, a monthly podcast aimed at shining a spotlight on Neiman Pick disease type C and other rare diseases that affect children and currently have no cure. You can download this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or at fireflyfund.org. Be sure to follow Firefly Fund on social media, and if you like what you hear, give us a share. On today's episode of Firefly Chat, we'll continue our discussion with NPC moms highlighting the benefits of Adrobetadex. The moms will also share their fears about a future without the medication, the popular topic of risk versus benefit to administer the medication, as well as their thoughts and enthusiasm about adding additional therapies to treat their children and give them the best chance to live long and healthy lives. How does it feel to be told as a mom that the drug is not beneficial? I feel pissed. Honestly, felt like a knife to the heart when they threw that out um, on our call. I mean, I, I felt disgusted that they felt okay just talking to us parents from whatever script they had that they didn't see benefits. Even if we think that there was benefits, they didn't see it. This drug wasn't beneficial. Um, if they want to know about beneficial um, they need to ask and be a part of um, our children's lives and they'll know. Back to it. it felt like looking at the sky, right? And it's blue and they are saying, our data tells us that it's purple with yellow dots. <laughs> and you say, no, it's not. It's blue. I'm looking at it. Whoa, that's not what our data says. And that is what it feels like, but in the most deeply infuriating, frightening, devastating way. And it feels like someone is dismissing my child's life and who she is and just saying that it's not true and that it does or it doesn't matter. And it's especially upsetting because when we were diagnosed, Marion was not even two and she couldn't do the trial. And a lot of the people on the call, we all have kids who got their neurological symptoms pretty early. And this group, those groups of kids are super strong responders to this drugs. And most of our kids would not have been allowed to be in the trial, either because they were too young or because they weren't advanced enough in the disease. And now you're saying, well, the trial <laughs> didn't show, show it, but you didn't put our kids who are some of the best responders in there and their, their data is not considered. So when you say there's no benefit, you're not talking about our kids. So what are you mm -hmm. saying? You're saying that they don't matter and um, it's wrong and it's wrong. So Sarah, your sky story is really, it hit the point because it yeah. sounds like I am and you guys also are crazy and that we can't see what the drug is doing to our kids. So I, can, I can't believe it because we stepped really realis realistic into this process. And we said, my husband and I said to each other, okay, we hope that our son will stabilize. That, that is only what we are hoping, just the stabilization. Um, but I, I'm not crazy if I, I can see that my son is able again to stand up by himself. So I can make another other thing. It, it's the true. I can see that he can do it right now. I, I hear him, uh, him making more words. He's talking a lot. He never did it before. It's, it's the true. I can't, 
I don't lie about it. It's just the truth. So hearing them say that it's not beneficial, just frankly, is ludicrous. It's just total crap. <laughs> I mean, I think, like we've all said, we can witness what it has done for all of our kids. And so to say it's not beneficial directly contradicts the truth that we're all witnessing in what it has done to help our kids. And it's basically slapping us in the face and saying that we're all lying, like Kim said. And I think we all yeah. know that NCC doesn't typically give skills back. So if kids are going on this medication and gaining skills back, that's not the disease. That's not the way this disease works. And if the only other thing is this medicine, yeah. enough said. I mean, these stories just are so powerful. And I agree with the uh, feeling of being dismissed for our perception of how our kids are doing. Um, you know, what we're experiencing with Abby is such a contrast from what we experienced with Belle. We are now talking about, you know, Abby, who's been on this drug for coming up on five years. And um, she, to this day, has, you know, still has that little uh, palsy when she looks up. If, you, if she tips her head back, you have to look for it. But that's to this day remains the only thing that has remained consistent. And beyond that, she is developing typically. Um, it is such a contrast from what we saw with Belle, who at this exact same age that Abby is right now, six years old and eight months, that's the age Belle was when she lost the ability to walk. She was choking. She was um, having staring spells. I felt like seizures were right around the corner. And um, to be honest with you, it's the exact same age that Belle was rescued. She was in free fall. She was this age that Abby is right now is the age that Belle was when she was rescued um, in the clinical trial and put in the open label extension and on the drug. The most horrific thing I've ever witnessed was watching Belle lose the ability to walk right before my eyes. I don't think that the kids should be the ones that suffer because we can't figure out how to, how to come to terms on what the data is. So on that note, and me sitting here in the dark, um, but I'm just so grateful that I'm with you ladies. What are your biggest fears as you face, we all face the reality that we could lose access to this medication. And I'll, I'll start, you know, my biggest fears, I mean, I, I, I sort of got a taste of uh, what it's like to watch your children slip through your, your fingers. When we were, got our diagnosis, we were, um, Belle was sort of in this place where she was going from keeping up, having trouble keeping up with her peers. She was six days shy or eight days shy of turning six years old. So she was having trouble keeping up with her peers but moving quickly into the place where she was losing skills. And so when we were in the trial traveling back and forth to Chicago, as you all know, it was, um, she was losing the ability to walk. Her language became more and more slushy, um, staring spells and, and choking. So um, I will, I have PTSD from that. I will never forget it. And my biggest fear is having to, 
watch more of her slip away to watch Abby than that happened with Abby. I want us to do better for these kids, not worse. I want us to move things forward for these kids, not backwards. Um, I want to add other therapies to their regime, not take away therapies. And I think these kids deserve it. Like I said, you know, we've all witnessed um, over the past year, um, doctors just throw the kitchen sink at patients who potentially have COVID or maybe on their deathbed associated with um, COVID. And I don't know why our children aren't entitled to therapies that have human data that suggests that um, there could be a benefit. On top of the suffering and the hurt that we want to protect our kids from. And one of my biggest fears is the sadness. You know, Marion is such a happy little girl and I don't want to see her become filled with sadness. She already says things like, why can't, why can't I do that? And something that really stuck with me from when we did the PFDD meeting is one of the moms said that her, I think her daughter, when she was around eight or nine, said that she was really sad because she knew her hopes and dreams weren't going to come true. And no child should, should have to go through that. No child should have, should have that, especially when something that could help them is right there. It exists. If we're not asking something to be created out of nothing, it's there. <laughs> we're just asking for it to not be taken away. And we p- can probably all picture our kids and their faces when they're so proud. They're so proud that they've done something new and they've, you know, they've learned to ride a bike. They've learned to jump. They've learned to, you know, do whatever. And I, I'm terrified of the contrast of that, of just the pain of losing something that they were so proud to gain. Hearing the painful stories of, you know, feeling helpless to watch your children slip away. And um, that fear is just, it's palpable. It's, you can feel it and it's, it's stronger than ever right now. I've lived through the beginning, the middle, and the end of this disease. I have gone to bed not knowing if my child would be awake in the morning. I've had to put my son in the the ground to say goodbye. I can't do that with the other, with my other boys. We watched as Jacob went away. Um, he died February 7th of 2019, but it feels like so much longer because we lost him step by step by step by agonizing step. My, my biggest fear is that I'd have to do that with each one of my boys. There's also something called mom guilt, and I'm sure all of you have it, with things that you could have done better. But if you were to take the medicine away and you can't fight for your child, at least here we have a medicine and you're, you're doing all that you can to do to save your child. But if you don't have anything, then you just live in this mom guilt of, I wish I could have done something more for my child. I think that's my biggest fear um, is just having to say goodbye to, to all but one of my children. Um, I can't imagine what, um, Tiffany 
has already had to endure. Um, I've experienced um, watching one of my children slipping away. And then she was rescued by BTS 270. And my fear is that this drug is gonna be taken away again. And not only will I have to watch one of my daughters, but I'll have to watch two of my daughters literally die a slow death without this medication. I mean, I know that sounds gruesome, but it's the truth. And uh, I'm sorry, Tiffany, that you've had to live that and you have to live with that each day. Thank you all. Thank you guys so much for um, being so authentic tonight and so vulnerable. I know it's it's hard to go there and um, it's not something I like to do very often, but I think it's important that our voices be heard. So I just appreciate you all doing this uh, with me. So we've all uh, been following the news related to the development of Orphazyme's drug, Arimoclamol. We are all, I'm sure, anxiously awaiting the upcoming FDA action date related to Arimoclamol on June 17th. Since the PFDD meeting in Washington, when we were all last together, um, we have heard NPC uh, expert clinicians say publicly many times, and they all agree that the best way to render NPC chronic disease is to have multiple therapies treating multiple pathways. What are your hopes, expectations, and fears when it comes to an approval of Arimoclamol? For me, I go back to, you know, if there are drugs out there that are showing that they have a benefit at slowing the progression of this disease, I would like access to those drugs for my children. This is a disease um, that is a hundred percent of the time fatal and it is gruesome and it is, you know, I tell people all the time, like, I don't think childhood Alzheimer's really even does it justice. It's more like childhood Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and ALS all wrapped up in one and it affects children. And I agree with the clinicians that, um, it's going to take several drugs treating multiple treating multiple pathways. And the, I believe that really strongly because when the girls were diagnosed and we started Adrobetadex, they were both doing amazingly well. And then we added Miglastep and they were doing even better. And I can only imagine that if you treat another pathway, it's only going to benefit the kids to I agree with you, Pam. Actually, whenever, you know, um, the trial kind of started around the time of our diagnosis. The upcoming approval is a long time waiting, and I can't wait for it to be approved. But I'll agree with you. Um, I don't want one for the other. Change is scary. Uh, I don't want to replace a drug that I know that works to a drug that I hope that works. They've got different ways that the drug works. Why not use them together? And, you know, the Miglostat um, combined data has shown that this disease can be um, treated more effectively um, when there's medications combined. So I can only imagine what adding neuromalcomol can, can add for our children. So expect people to wake up and just see the common sense that we're asking for. I just... 
it doesn't feel like it's that much. It, it isn't that much. And I would expect that people will open their eyes and see that, hear that from us. And speaking of other drugs, Zavasca, also known as Megalostat, is a drug that has a lot of data behind it and some new data, recently published data supporting its use. So as we all know, though, um, Zavasca is approved for the treatment of NPC in every other country but the United States. Um, and Mallinckrodt's letter to the NPC community in January stated that Megalostat complicated the trial results. So I have a few questions about this and a whole lot of emotions too, but um, let's just go around the room first. How many mamas um, in our group have their kids on Megalostat? I can't see on the grid because I'm in the dark over here in Texas, but um, how many parents have their kids on Megalostat? We can all raise our hands. It would really, I'd really like to hear from the moms who, who don't have their kids on Megalostat. Yeah, um, I'll share our experience with Megalostat. So we didn't put Marion on Megalostat um, at first because we knew Adjuvated X or VTS270 was more powerful. You know, we could only channel our energies into one area. So we went for the heavy hitter and I'm really glad we did. So once we got Marion going on VTS270 about, um, I think about a year after she had started. So she had made all of that progress. Her, her one-year checkup on VTS270 with Dr. Kravis, her every single area had massive, massive gains. And that was not on Megalostat. Um, after that, we figured, let's try and add it in. Let's see if she could tolerate it. Why not? Multiple pathways. It'll be great. We followed the diet. We tried, did everything we could. We just, she just had horrible horrible um, GI side effects from it that we could not get past. Um, we had her on it in about a year. Wasn't so bad when she was in diapers. When she was trying to potty train, it was horrible. Uh, we don't know. Is that is that a lifestyle that she should have to have? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think she should have to live like that. Like my two girls aren't candidates. Um, Kendall has Crohn's disease and she already has like severe diarrhea just from her Crohn's disease. So we can't even try it with her. And then Bryn has seizures and from her anti-seizure medication, she has bowel issues also. So I, I mean, it's unfortunately not even something we can add to the plate. So as of right now, VTS 270 is what we have and that's our livelihood. Jig is not on methotrexate or I mean on Megalostat, sorry, on Megalostat because of his Crohn's disease. Obviously, it's not a choice. He has severe Crohn's disease. So Cameron started Megalostat at about a year old, and she was on it for a year. And our experience was, you know, the same as far as diarrhea goes, and but with cyclodextrin, adrobated X, we felt like the quality was still there. I also wanted to add that my son was on Miglustat for a year and a half before he started Adrobetodex. And we didn't see any improvements on this drug and his disease rapidly progressed, as I said before. So Miglustat doesn't work for us. It's not an option for us. We started Miglustat about three months ago. Um, so 
we know all the credit goes to BTS 270 um, for as far as he's come. He's doing okay on it. Um, you know, if we have the option for multiple therapies, we want to take all of the therapies. Um, and for Osama, the Miglastat, I mean, luckily hasn't had as many bad side effects, you know, as, as it has for some of the other kids. Yeah, I've heard of, I heard an NPC scientist uh, recently described it as like the layering effect. Um, and they went on to describe it as, you know, if you had a tree that was sick and dying, um, you need to treat many of the branches and not just one. What are your thoughts about statements related to the benefit risk associated with Adrobated X? So let's talk about how you normalize bi-weekly or bi-monthly um, LPs for your family. And also, does your child or children have any hearing loss related to the disease? And do you consider that a big, a big reason not to, not to get the drug? So when we first started, it was a huge ordeal to go get um, LPs every two weeks. But after a while, it just becomes part of your routine and you just schedule it in and you just do it. And now when I talk to other people that aren't, that don't deal with my disease, they always comment of, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine doing that. But you just do it because they're your kids and you fight. It's just part of the routine and this is just what we do. Mm -hmm. And after a while, like my, my kids put out their arms to get their vitals done and they stand up on the scale because they know the routine. And, you know, now they don't even have to be put under any anesthesia. They just have Emlon on their backs and we just get it done. Um, my two boys also have hearing loss and we are on the cusp of getting hearing aids. And I would rather have a small organ go out and keep their whole body and keep quality of life than not, not have anything to fight for and losing them completely. You know, um, a hearing aid is such a small price to pay than losing my child and having to deal with like the ultimate of not having him here and on, on there, there was a time that Tiffany and I were getting treated together at CHLA, which was the best <laughs> to get to be together, even though I know it was so hard for you to have to travel back and forth. I feel so alone. So it was kind of nice to have somebody who actually got me and like yes. understood what we were doing for yes. sure. hundred percent. And so they're just, the hospital gives our kids so much love. It is not traumatic for them in the way that you know, when you don't have a kid who's sick and they have to have ear tubes or their tonsils out or they have to have like some minor surgery, you know, you know you're freaking out and you're, you know, over this really minor thing. It's just not the, that way. Our kids are tougher and they're stronger and they're braver and they're, they go through more and they have more courage and, and, and they fight, have to fight more because they have to, otherwise they wouldn't be here. And we do too. And I mean, Mary, she walks into the treatment room herself. She walks in. And when the first few times I did it, people were like stopping me like, what? <laughs> Who is that girl? Like the kids are usually not walking back here. You know, they usually have to knock them out to get them back there. And she walks in and now she's doing her treatment without anesthesia and she walks out and she holds her anesthesiologist's hand who comes and like cheerleads her on to encourage her. And she holds her hand and they go to the vending machine and pick out a snack. And then she goes and eats her snack. I mean, it, it's, it's not a big deal. It's, 
it's an amazing deal. It's just part of our routine. It's literally no big deal in the beginning. It was really rough, but honestly, through this past almost four years, we've gained another family and, um, their doctor, their oncologist who does their lumbar punctures is, has literally become like their, I mean, honestly, I could say like uncle, like he takes care of them. He protects them. He helps them. If he sees a bump on them, if he sees something that looks out of sort, if anything looks off, he's there to help them get through anything, not just their treatment. And, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, we've gained another family through this and I hope we get to continue with this family that we've gained. I just want to say that before starting, um, the infusions, I was terrified um, I mean, terrified to where I sat on what, whether we start them, when do we start them? Um, and it wasn't until Sarah, um, she called and kind of gave me that push and she was like, just, just go, just do it. Just try. It's not as scary as you think it is. And, um, I'm, I'm thankful. I mean, every day that you did that to me, Sarah, because, um, I was scared of it. But after the first one and you, you know, we went in and took him and it was just a few minutes. It's, I hate to say easy, but, um, it, it's, it's more simple than, it, than it seems. And, um, it's our routine. He's used to it. He goes in and he makes jokes <laughs> and he's always got to talk to the girls. And, oh, see, I had hearing loss. I don't know. I think maybe two years back. Um, and he got hearing aids, which is like 0% big deal. We don't care. He doesn't care. Um, you know, the matter of getting him used to it the first month or so, but it's like the smallest, tiniest price to pay for all the benefits we've seen. Bell actually had hearing loss before. Uh, we were diagnosed and we couldn't figure it out. We went to the ENT a lot um, and we were trying to figure out what was going on. And then when she was diagnosed and we went to the NIH and then to see Dr. Kravis, um, they suggested that we get hearing aids. And that was actually before we enrolled in the clinical trial. When she was finally put in the open label extension and put on the drug, her hearing has really stabilized. It's never gone. It doesn't continue to go down. She has hearing aids, but we had those before we were on the drug. Um, so her hearing has remained stable since she started on the medic medication. And then with Abby, she doesn't have any hearing loss. And um, I don't know why. Her dose has always been fairly low. Um, she's at 400 and she's been on that since she was two years old. We've just never experienced any hearing loss with Abby. So for me, the hearing loss conversation is confusing because the disease causes hearing loss. And so you're going to get hearing loss regardless. Um, you're going to either get it from the disease or from the medication. And as someone pointed out, the hearing loss is one organ. And if you don't treat the brain, you're going to get far more problems. Um, and then the question related to normalizing the biweekly or bimonthly LPs for our family. I mean, 
it's really been like, it hasn't been anything that takes away from our life. If anything, we've gained like a whole nother family at the hospital. And so we've, we've worked hard to normalize it, but we've normalized it and it is part of our life. And to be honest with you, I see kids come in that I, I see families there every other week when we go that, that you get to know, and they're there getting you know, medication, some of them are cancer patients getting far more toxic drugs in their kids with far less evidence of efficacy, you know, looking for anything to stop the progression of their disease in their child. And you know, they, we find these LPs to be, um, you know, to us, it's, it's five hours every two weeks. And it's such a, a small portion of, you know, their very full life. They come home, they play, they laugh. You know, our routine now is that um, the night of treatments, they get to pick whatever they want to eat for dinner. And so Paul and I sort of scramble around to figure out what restaurant we can order all that food from. And uh, they're not hesitant to, to order more than one meal. So um, that's a, a fun thing that we put in our, our uh, LP days. Uh, I'd like to end with a question that if you were to say anything at all to um, elected officials or regulators or industry stakeholders, NPC community leaders or partners, um, other rare disease parents, and, and really just the public in general, you know, what, what is it that you, what's on your heart, what's on your mind, what do you want to say for, for your kids and for your family? I would say don't give up on our kids, don't give up on us, and they're not giving up, and if you take this medicine away, that's what you're doing. I would say NPC is a relentless and unforgiving disease. It takes and takes and takes away from our children very slowly and painfully. Everyone knows this. And what I would say to the officials, the regulators, is why, if, if this disease is just going to take from our children, um, why would we take medication from them that might help them? NPC has won every single fight it's had. And why can't we um, support our kids to be able to fight the best that they can from their end? You keep hearing our stories in the media of us losing our children and having to go through um, what some of you guys have already gone through and what Tiffany's gone through. Um, please don't wait for our stories to be shared that way. We have a way to save them now. I guess um, anyone who's listening, if you could put yourself in our situation and if you have a child, if you have a mother, if you have a father, if you have a sister, a husband, anyone that you feel close to that you would do anything that you would give your own life, what would you do for them? Would you take away something that's helping or would you continue to let them give that to live don't give up on them don't give up on us please don't give up on my children please listen to all the stories of the mpc moms because they are the experts and they know so much don't understand why a human being is decides about another human being that he can't get the chance to live. I, I can't get that. So please hear our stories. That's so important. These children deserve a chance at as full and happy of a life as possible. And they're able to get that. 
with this drug. There's no time to wait. So like everyone has said, please just don't give up on us and our children. Please give them a chance. Please don't use my son as an experiment to see what happens when you take this away from them. I really feel like these children are on, on the cusp of changing this disease. They're walking a new path and they can continue to walk that path if you would let them. Please don't give up on them and help us save our children. Make the right choice. So what I would say is um, to look at 2020 and Cameron's journey and look at the difference in her life over the past year. And as much as that hurts to say, I feel like her journey is evidence that the drug helps. And to listen to all of our stories, because while they're all different, they all have a few things in common. Uh, I wanted to say that our children had to go through such a lot in their short lives that I can't imagine that someone can take the chance to live away from them. We will be fighting for our children. So don't give up on us. I think what really uh, stands out for me the most is, you know, these are children. It's unbearable to me to think that they could potentially be forced into um, a study of what happens, you know, when we take a drug away. Um, And I do not want to uh, subject my kids to that study and I know you guys, um, I know you guys don't either. So um, thank you all really from the bottom of my heart for being here tonight and for chatting with us for the Firefly Chat. Um, It means more than you ever know. And we are together, we are a fierce group. Our voices uh, will be heard. So thank you all for standing up for all of our kids. We couldn't couldn't do it um, alone, but we we can certainly do it together. So thank you guys. I love you guys so much and um, can't wait for us to be able to be together in person. Thank you for listening and for helping us shine a light on NPC. We hope you will join us next month for another episode of Firefly Chat. Join the fly. You must stay the life.